Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for getting us together on Zoom. Uh, we commit to you, Lord, um, Brother Ronnie. Uh, he's not feeling well. Uh, he's been coughing since a few days ago, Lord. And I pray also for Sister Percy experiencing some kind of dizziness, vomiting, and headache. Uh, Aaron and Marty who are feeling always tired and uh, lacking in energy, O oh Lord. We know, Lord, that this uh, comes from the enemy um, attacking uh, the body of Christ. And uh, help, uh, help us, Lord, to persevere, especially in prayer for one another, and that this will not hamper the ministry that you've given us, O oh Lord. Uh, may, you, may you guide us uh, throughout this uh, session, Lord, as we learn about the judgment seat of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so all the scriptures are in the slideshow, so just uh, listen very well. Okay, so the judgment seat of Christ. So here in this world, we know when we are um, sharing our faith or when other people talk about their opinions or preferences, there's always that um, uh, predilection of people to judge, to judge others. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, in verse 5, the Apostle Paul tells us, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Okay, So the word judge here means to condemn, to accuse people. So here the Apostle Paul is telling us not to accuse people or judge them or even judge their hearts, uh, especially with what they're doing in their life, because we don't have that capacity to understand the hearts of people. So we are not supposed to do that, the Bible says, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. So we know that it's only the Lord who can look into our hearts. That's why it's hard to judge anybody's um, actions or behavior or even their attitude. So we need to refrain from doing this um, uh, criticism or judgment of other people, especially if we don't know them very well. Okay, It's only the Lord Jesus Christ who can truly judge the hearts of every person. In Romans chapter 14 also, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So this is the origin of that phrase, judgment seat of Christ. So when will this judgment seat of Christ happen? This will happen right after the rapture. So this judgment seat of Christ will be happening in heaven. And only the believers will participate in the judgment seat of Christ. So while after the raptures, there, there's the a seven-year tribulation period that will happen here on earth, up there in heaven, all of us believers in the Lord Jesus Christ will be uh, participating in the judgment seat of Christ. So this happens right after the rapture of the believers or of the church. Okay, First Corinthians chapter 3 uh, tells us in verse 9, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So here, he's not talking to just one person. The apostle is talking about the whole church, the local church in Corinth. 
that and also us the local church here in Richmond Richmond Bible Baptist Church we are called the building of God God is our foundation Jesus Christ is our foundation and then verse 10 according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon for other foundation can no man lay than that slave, which is Jesus Christ. So the point here is that uh, why, why am I talking about this uh, foundation when we are after the judgment seat of Christ? Because when we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, it will be about the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ upon our works, the works that we have done in His name while in our body here on earth uh, um, while we are still alive. So, that foundation should be always the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot found any good work that we are doing upon any other foundation. Jesus Christ should always be the foundation. And remember, the Bible says that He is also the cornerstone. So, that means He is the foundation. He's the most important uh, part of the puzzle of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in verse 12, it says, Now, if any man build upon this foundation... Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stable. So this we see here that Jesus Christ is our foundation and we build upon Him. And so the good works that we do in His name will either be gold, silver, or precious stones. Those are the good things that will merit us the crowns that I'll be talking about uh, later on. But the other side of that... Um, that um, accountability before the Lord Jesus Christ is if our works are either wood, hay, or stubble. So the gold, silver, and the precious stones, these are the good works that we have done that will pass the test of, of the Lord Jesus Christ's judgment. The wood, hay, stubble, they will not pass because we will see later on that all of these uh, things that we have done will be tested by fire. And we know that wood, hay, and stubble can be burnt. Or destroyed by fire but the gold silver and precious stones cannot be okay so let's go on in verse 13 same chapter every man's work shall be made manifest that means every work that we did whether good or bad as Christians will be revealed okay uh, not only the good works but also the motive behind them uh, if we have ulterior motives if we have good motives or bad motives behind the good things that we do for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, that will be revealed when the judgment seat of Christ sets in. For the day shall declare it, as I continue, because it shall be revealed by fire. So fire will be the testing material in order to know whether the good work that we did in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will pass um, the test of God's judgment. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So, if the work that we did is like gold, silver, precious stones, then they will not be burned by fire. And then that means the person who did those works that are similar to gold, silver, and precious stones, they will receive the reward. And that's what we call the crowns. But, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. So that means that person, if what he did while here on earth are just wood, hay, and stubble burnt by fire, then they will not be 
meriting any kind of reward or crown from the Lord Jesus Christ, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by far. So th that means this person, even though he doesn't have any reward, he is saved. He is going to heaven. He is assured that he will have eternal life with the Lord up there in heaven, but he will have no crowns or rewards. So that's very important to know that when we do good works here on earth, it doesn't make, uh, make us sure or certain that we'll get a reward or a crown. So it's very important to be sure that the good works that we did are lasting and that they will be meriting us and uh, a kind of a reward or crown in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So the Bible speaks of these rewards that has, was mentioned by the Apostle Paul as crowns. Crowns. And this word crown is uh, the word Stephanos. Okay? Stephanos, which is the Greek. Uh, you know, in the Greek Olympics during the Apostle Paul's time, these are the wreaths. Okay? The laurels, wreath of laurels that are uh, encircled around the head of a person. These are called crowns or the Stephanos. This is not similar to the crown that will be given to the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back here on earth for a second time. Because that crown is a royal crown. That's a divine crown that is only um, given to our Lord Jesus Christ. But these crowns are just like the laurel of wreath, the wreath of laurels. Are given to um, Olympic athletes or um, sports people. So there are five crowns we can receive as a reward for our life as a Christian. So let's take a look at those five crowns and then we'll see what's the relevance of these five crowns. What's the point of un uh, understanding and reminding ourselves that there are five crowns that we can receive as a reward for our life. Okay, so the first one is called the crown of salvation which is the soul winner's crown. So this is the crown that will be given to the people who are persistent and persevering soul winners. Okay, So they are the ones who are always sharing the good news, that they do not quit, they do not, do not give up, and they are not lazy in telling other people about the good news. They are constant. They are consistent in proclaiming the gospel. Okay? We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and verse 20. Apostle Paul says, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So take note of that. This is called the crown of salvation or the crown of rejoicing. Um, it's called the crown of rejoicing because as we all know, when a person, a lost person, becomes a believer, he gets saved, then what happens? Even the angels in heaven are rejoicing, and much more all of us who are believers. When we see people who are born again, then we are also rejoicing. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. They are the crown of rejoicing, and they are the glory and the joy of the Apostle. Because it gives us joy when we share the good news, when we, especially when the person accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So it's a great be benefit for us to continue to ask the Lord to give us opportunities. And then when God gives us opportunities to share the good news, then we need to grab those opportunities. 
take advantage of those opportunities seize them when we have when we have the chance because we may not have other chances or opportunities in the very near future and you know when we when you see a person even uh, not perhaps not really trusting Jesus Christ but just accepting what you said and trying to meditate on the Word of God that's also a source of joy for all of us much more if that person becomes saved just like what the Apostle Paul says the Thessalonian believers when they got saved they become crowns of rejoicing for the Apostle Paul so the crown of salvation is the soul winner's crown secondly we have the crown of everlasting life. And this crown of everlasting life is given to the faithful Christian. This is the crown of the faithful Christian. Uh, how can we know the Christian is a, faith, is a faithful one? A Christian is called faithful when he perseveres in the midst of trial. So a faithful Christian is someone who perseveres, especially in times of trial. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He doesn't get angry when there are trials. Even though there's so much struggle, he keeps on holding on his faith in the Lord. So we see that in James chapter 1, verse 12. The apostle James said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. So take note here, the word temptation as used by the apostle James has two meanings. Uh, the first meaning of temptation is the usual meaning of what that, that we give to temptation, which is the temptation to sin, the the inclination to or the inclination or the the enticement for us to commit sin. But on the other hand, this word temptation can also be interpreted as trial or testings, which may not necessarily cause uh, influencing us to sin, but it may cause us some problems. It may hinder us in the ministry. It may hinder us in our walk with the Lord. So there are two meanings here. It's either the influence to sin or a testing or a trial in life. So ma no matter what it is, it's either the influence to sin or a testing or a trial. The Bible says, when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So this person is given the crown of life, of everlasting life, because he endures the trials. He endures the temptations brought to him by the enemy. So the word endure here means to persevere. That means this person does not give up. He keeps on keeping on. He keeps on serving the Lord no matter what happens. He doesn't quit because he knows that God is always with him. And the Bible says he is blessed. And he is blessed because he will be given the crown of life. Also here in James chapter 1, uh, in verses 4 to 5, it says there that the trying of our faith develops in us patience okay so when we are being tested patience is developed perseverance the endurance the ability to persist even in the midst of trials and our crown will be the crown of everlasting life if you are faithful you are faithful as a christian you're standing still and firm in your faith despite all the kinds of trials and temptations that you experience then you will have the crown of everlasting life. Some of us may have only one of these five. Some may have two. Or some probably may have all five. Or some may not have any, any one of these uh, five crowns. So it's very important to know these crowns because this will matter 
in our walk with the Lord. Okay? Thirdly, we have the crown of righteousness. So this crown of righteousness is given to those Christians who live and look for Christ's return. These are the people who are always yearning to see Jesus Christ. They are expecting that Jesus Christ is coming. Um, isn't it that all of us are expecting or yearning for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Of course. But there are some people who are truly um, expecting that He's coming back very soon. Not for the sake of because He doesn't want to live His life here on earth now because it's so much problems, but because He wants to be with the Lord and to be with Him forever and ever. So we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, remember, in 2 Timothy, uh, the Apostle Paul was uh, sending a message to his uh, disciple, the, the son, his son in the faith, Timothy, young Timothy, uh, the pastor in, in the, of the church in Ephesus. And at this point in time, the Apostle Paul was in prison and he is about to be hanged, executed by the Roman Empire. And this is the last words of the Apostle Paul. And this is what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. What day? That day that he's going to be in heaven. And that's what we are talking about right now, the judgment seat of Christ. And not to me only, so it's not only for the Apostle Paul, it's not specifically for Paul only, but to all them also that love his appearing. So that's the qualifying characteristic of these people. They're not only looking for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they love the appearing of our Lord, the second coming of our Lord. They love the second coming because that has been their um, goal. That's their intention while living here on earth. Remember, the Apostle Paul was walking in a very godly way, in a very godly conduct all throughout his life as a Christian after he was converted to Christianity. And since the time that he was saved, it's been his desire to see Jesus Christ. And you can see that in the book of Philippians also. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he said, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So there in that passage in Philippians 1.21, he said, If I live, I'm living for Christ. I'm serving Him by serving other people. But when I die, it's much better. It's a great gain and benefit and profit for me because I'm going to see my Savior at last. And that should be our desire also. Even though we're still here on earth, at the back of our minds, we should love the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul loves the appearing or the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he knows that he's, he's going to be given a crown of righteousness. The number four, we have the incorruptible crown. The incorruptible crown is the crown for the victorious Christian. These are Christians who have lived a life that is triumphant, especially in the midst of trials. So here in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 25, the Apostle Paul um, illustrates the Christian life into the athletics. Okay? He's talking about athletics here. Uh, you know, when you are in, the, in track and field or during that time, uh, their, their, their Olympics, 
athletes vie for a crown. And here he said, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So when a person is running the race, just like all of us are running the race according to Hebrews 12.1, running the race, the Christian race, we should be temperate. That means we should be moderate in all things. We need to be uh, self-controlled. And we need to, in order to be expert in, in our areas or field of our uh, of skills, we need to be temperate. We need to be moderate and also um, very persistent in um, practicing, exercising for that kind of field. So now they said, he said, Thou, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Okay, The athletes, okay? the athletes, what, what do they do? They do it in order to have a crown that can be corrupted, that can be destroyed. But we as Christians, we are yearning for an incorruptible crown. And again, that crown is the blessings, the reward that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the incorruptible crown. This given to those victorious Christians. All of us are running a race. And those who have not quit in the middle of the race, those who persisted, even though we are the last in the race of life, as long as we finish, we enter the finish line, then we are victorious. Remember, we are already victorious. If you if you just think about it, we are already victorious because our Lord Jesus Christ is already victorious. And our victory is in our faith. Our victory is not in just running, just like the athletes. Our victory is in our faith. Where do we set our faith on? Is it ourselves, other people, or the pastor, or the church, or is it the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Lastly, we have the crown of glory. So these are given only for the faithful pastors, the leaders, or called the so-called shepherds of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called the crown of glory. So it's not for all the pastors, but only those who are faithful. So again, pastors who are constantly and persistently serving the Lord, even in the midst of trials. Remember, um, it was Apostle Peter who wrote this in 1 Peter 5.4. Uh, during the time of the Apostle Peter, the Roman Empire was reigning. The Roman emperor is so cruel and there he was always persecuting the Christians, especially the leaders of the church. So a pastor during that time is very hard to commit to their uh, leadership and to their functions as the shepherds of the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ because they could be killed. They could be jailed or imprisoned just like the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 5.4, when the chief shepherd, okay, it's in cups because the chief shepherd here is our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he shall appear, again, that's, his, that's the rapture of the believers. Right after this, the pastors who are faithful, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So this crown of glory will be given to the pastor who is faithful in their ministry, faithful in serving the Lord through shepherding the flock of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the point of studying the, all the crowns? Um, because we don't know what crowns are we go, we're going to have. The point of studying all these crowns is to help us to 
see or work for things that are eternal rather than work for things that may be corrupted or destroyed by moth or stolen by thieves. That's why the, the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 6 verses 19 to 21, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. So take note there, I, I, I highlighted lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Okay, So that's a command that, that's coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. In relation to the crowns that we are yearning to have when we go to heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ said, do not store treasures upon earth. But we should do the opposite, verse 20. Lay up for yourselves or store for yourselves treasures in heaven. So seek those things that will be eternal in nature, where neither moth nor rust that corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our heart follows whatever we worship. Our heart follows whatever we consider as our priority or what is most important into our life. So if what's important in your life are the lasting, the eternal things, like doing good to other people, uh, sharing the good news, loving all kinds of people, even our enemies, and so on and so forth, then those are our treasures. And if we followed our treasures, then that will lead us into a lasting, a long-lasting treasure that God will be pleased at. In Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul says also, If ye then be risen with Christ, so here, the Apostle Paul is telling the Colossian believers, you have been risen, you have been resurrected with Christ, you have a new life now. Your old life is gone. All things are all things are passing, behold, become, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. Since we are being resurrected, we have been given a new life, what are we supposed to be doing? We need to seek those things which are about. The word seek here means to set our mind, to pursue. It's like the word hunting. When you hunt for something, you are eager. You have so much passion. If you hunt for fish, hunt for animals, or hunt for anything else in your life, you want to prioritize that. So the same thing here. We need to hunt, to seek, to set our minds on those things that are heavenly, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. And then set your affection. The word affection here means not only our mind, but even our emotions, everything that is in us, our inner being. Again, we need to set our affection on things that are above, not on things on the earth. So how do we do this? Because it seems to be very um, abstract, all these things. Seek things above, set your affection on things above, not the things on the earth. So let me give you some practical application of seeking things that are heavenly rather than um, earthly or not lasting. First, we must regard money as a means to do God's will and not merely to accumulate or to use for our own pleasure. So money is per se by itself 
not a, a good or bad thing. It's neutral. But if you use money in order to propagate the good news, if you use money to uh, help other people know more about the Lord Jesus Christ rather than for our own selfish pleasure and accumulation, then that is seeking the heavenly things. Secondly, if uh, we don't have young people right now, but for those young people who will be listening to this message later on, if you find a spouse who shares our desire to seek Christ and things above, that's also a lasting, a, a, an everlasting uh, and heavenly um, stuff that we're doing for the Lord. Next, we should not be setting our hearts on clothes, cars, and entertainment options because they are, these are all selfish things. It doesn't mean that we don't buy clothes or we don't buy cars or we don't uh, seek some kind of entertainment. But if these things, clothes, cars, and entertainment, becomes our priority rather than the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then that's not pleasing to our Lord. The next if we are not here uh, anymore, some, perhaps God will lead us into some other places. We need to find a church that is spiritually on the move and serve in it. Okay? Just like what Sister Percy and uh, Sister Marlene uh, did. Okay? Because when they moved here to Richmond, they were looking for a church wherein they can really serve the Lord Jesus Christ through that church. And so that's very important for all of us. Wherever God will lead us sometime in the future, if He will relocate us, then we need to keep this in mind. He wants us to seek heavenly things by looking for a church that is really, really on the move spiritually, that is very much Christ-centered and Bible-centered and Gospel-centered and serve in that church. Also, we need to get the best training in order to seek the heavenly things we need to get the best training we can for our particular area of service, whether that is in medical school, ministry, any kind of performance or journalism or any other um, talent or ability that God has given us. We need to get the best training. So in essence, what I'm saying here is that we must do our best for Christ. It doesn't mean that you need to be always in church or you need to be in full-time ministry in order to um, do things that are heavenly in the eyes of God. You can be in a secular field or profession. You can be in a secular workplace. But if you are doing your best for Christ, then you are setting your affection on things that are above. Here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 17, 23, and 24, the Bible says, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, what do we do? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means by doing our best. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And that's a very important reminder to all of us. That whether in, we are in the workplace or wherever we are, even in our homes or in our church building, the command is for us to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is a motivation for all of us, a challenge for all of us to always do our best wherever we are or whatever we do. And then in the, in, while doing that, we give thanks to God and the Father because God has given us that opportunity to serve Him wherever we are. And then in verse 23, whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Do it from the heart. 
Because you know, the heart, the inner being, is the source of everything that we do, whether good or bad. So if we do it from the heart, with passion, with fire, with much eagerness, we do it as to the Lord and not unto men. We do all these things to please the Lord and not to please men. We are not here just like the Pharisees who always wanted to seek praises from men. And Jesus Christ said, if they are seeking praises from men, then they have already their rewards while on earth. But we are seeking the rewards that are heavenly. And by the way, it's very important for us to remember also that it's not bad for all of us to seek or to yearn for rewards because that's a motivation for all of us to continue to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all our best. It's just as long our, our reason for seeking the rewards is to please God and not to please men or to be, to be uh, congratulated or to be praised by people around us. Because if that is our motivation, then we lose our reward, our heavenly rewards, but we get already our earthly rewards, just like the Pharisees. So it's okay for us. Because many people think that, oh, I should not be um, striving for, re for rewards up there in heaven. Yes, the Bible says you should be striving for rewards, just like what we have mentioned in the five crowns. Verse 24 says, knowing that of the Lord... You shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why we can yearn or be eager to seek for rewards from the Lord Jesus Christ because we will receive the reward from Him as long as we serve Him faithfully. So very important for all of us to remember these things. We study all the crowns, the five crowns, because we want to please the Lord and we want to do our best. Whether we get one or two or all of the rewards, what is important is that we have pleased the Lord and we have pointed people to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the end of the study and hopefully we have learned uh, so much from the crowns. Okay, So let us uh, close in prayer just uh, for the sake of, because I'm, I'm, I'm recording this uh, message, so let's uh, close in prayer also. Father in heaven, we commit to you um, our hearts as we continue to meditate on these five crowns that we have learned uh, this evening. Help us, Lord, to always seek the heavenly things by doing our best in whatever place or field or location you have uh, assigned us, O Lord, whether in the full-time ministry or not necessarily in, in, a, in a religious ministry, O Lord, but help us, Lord, to do always our best, seeking your praises and the rewards that you will give us, O Lord, rather than the praises of men. Because we know that when we do our best, we are truly serving you faithfully, O Lord. May you help us, O Lord, to continue to, uh, to be immovable, to be standing firm, and to be... Um, persevering and enduring in the way that we live our life, especially nowadays that we are surrounded by so many trials and temptations and um, many um, catastrophes, wars that can hinder us, Lord, from truly serving you faithfully, O Lord. So help us, Lord, to always set our eyes to look 
unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.